Great. My name's Rob, and I love awkward things, um, so I'll just let you know that um, my, my uh, deodorant did not survive the baptism thus far, so um, you're going to really want me to pray for you at the end if you want me to pray for you, but it's wonderful times. We're people here, and uh, we're real people trying to have real relationships with a real God in a really broken world. Amen. This is kind of the flavor we're looking for. Real people in real relationship with a real God in a really broken world. And so one of the things that happened to me this morning, I was getting prayed for in the prayer room, and there was some stuff um, I felt like I really needed to say this morning. And I still have no idea how it connects with what I'd prepared. So this is a curveball message, and you're welcome. But if you go home today and you're like, Boy, that didn't seem to come together in a way that felt felt nice. You've been warned. And you had an opportunity to duck out during the coffee break, and you didn't take it. Fool me once. Shame on somebody. Fool me. Well, the point is you can't fool me twice, to quote somebody. <laughs> Sorry, weird joke. I will pull this together. All right. The original title was Discipling Young Ones, and we may get there. But the one thing I do want to say, I just want to read two scriptures about baptism, and I want to um, give us some mindsets to help us if you're recently baptized, because sometimes people get baptized, and then they have some of the worst times of their life. True fact? Okay, sometimes people get baptized and they feel like it's like you've taken ultimate penicillin, you've eradicated an infection, and now you should never get sick ever again, and it doesn't work out like that. Okay, and so I want to give us some mindsets for if that is, and I hope it isn't, but if that's anyone's experience, or if you're in the midst of that. Also, sometimes people get baptized when they're young, and then a couple years later or decades later, they end up at a church where the, the baptisms may be a bit more exciting than the one they did when they were younger, and they can want to get rebaptized. And I want to touch on that a little bit as well, okay? Because baptism is super important, and yet it's not important. And now that I've walked up to the edge of blaspheming, I'm going to explain what I mean, and hopefully I can get out of here without getting water bottles chucked at me. First quotation from before the ministry of Jesus began. You might remember, so let's go back 2,000 years. We're going to travel to the other side of the planet and the other into the southern hemisphere. We're going to go back to Judea. And um, Israel is this little tiny country that is being ruled over by the Roman Empire. They're the important people. They're the ones with all the soldiers and the centurions and the swords and the spears and the shields and just just absolutely fairly easily crush everybody they want to for whatever reason they dream up. And they're ruling over Israel. And this kind of nowhere backwater community of Israel, this is where um, Caesar would send people who he wasn't happy with to go and be governor of. Like if you got sent to Israel to be governor, you knew you'd done wrong. That was the moment he knew he'd messed up. And uh, 
But the Israelites didn't think that there were nobodies in the middle of nowhere. They were waiting for the Messiah to come, to deliver them, to rescue them. And they were just living under really hard times, economically, taxation, um, dirty Gentiles everywhere they went, polluting their ritual uh, cleanliness. And, and suddenly arose this guy named John the Baptist or baptizer. So people try to clarify that now because we have such a thing as Baptists, right? Who are people who do usually uh, adult baptism. And you can think that John the Baptist is just some guy who was the founder of the Baptist church, which he wasn't. He was famous for baptizing people, especially in the Jordan River. And he's doing all this stuff. And there's such a, a noise, such an excitement, such a curiosity about him but people are genuinely starting to feel really sorry to god for where they let their lives get to they were genuinely feeling like they weren't right with god and weren't right for god and had messed up their lives and were sinning and john the baptist was doing this baptism of repentance saying hey if you come and are baptized you can have your sins washed away and you can get ready for the messiah and people were coming in crowds in crowds that would make a really exciting morning at uh, Calvary Church look like just folks hanging out at Tim Hortons on a Wednesday morning. And John the Baptist knew he wasn't the guy, you know? You know the guy, the guy, ever wanted to be the guy. Uh, He's not the guy. He's there to serve the guy. And so one of the things he wanted people to get in their heads was that even though this baptism with water was important, it wasn't the baptism they really needed. And so while they were waiting for Jesus to show up, he would say to them, I indeed baptize you in water for repentance, but he who comes, that's Jesus, after me, is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And you need to hear this. Like the guy who made baptism a thing told people, my thing isn't even the thing you need. You need the one who can actually baptize you in the Holy Spirit. All water can do is make you a bit cleaner and keep you alive for another day. You need someone who can baptize you into something that changes everything forever. And it wasn't John, it was Jesus who could do that. Now, uh... But, just so we don't trash baptism too much on a baptism Sunday, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? It's like somebody comes to buy a car for me and I'm just like, walking is so great. <laughs> Let me get you some shoes. You know, just do your job, Rob. Well, years later, after Jesus is crucified and he comes back from the dead and the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit is sent in power on the church happens, um, the church is, is sent scattered away from Jerusalem by persecution. The government started killing Christians. And the believers remembered that Jesus told them, Hey, if the government starts killing y'all, you can run. You, you, don't, need to, you don't need to just stand your ground. You can run. Go, go get busy somewhere else. You can get martyred if you want to, but you can also just go get busy somewhere else. And so they got busy somewhere else, and they were starting this church in a different place. And um, Gentiles or unbelievers or uh, uh, demonically infested idol worshippers, <laughs> just 
You know, true fact. Um, we're getting interested in the message of Jesus, and they invited the apostles to come to talk about Jesus. And, and as Peter is sharing the gospel with these Gentiles, we get this. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. They of the circumcision, that's the Jews, who believed were amazed, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was also poured out on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and magnifying God. And Peter answered, Can any man forbid the water that these who have received the Holy Spirit as well as we should not be baptized? So I'm pointing that out just to say, like, for people who really, really got the Holy Spirit and were baptized in the Holy Spirit, um, getting water baptism was a bit of a finishing the job maneuver so that everybody could say they'd been water baptized. But... um, you kind of need both, right? And going into the water without the Holy Spirit, John the Baptist would say, mission not accomplished. Got it? Okay. So, so what I want to do is I want to play with water in front of you for, for a bit and hopefully not get ex, uh, electrocuted. Um, Darian's done a great job of making our baptism times safe before people would get out of the water dripping into electrical cords, which some people went like, y'all need the gift of discernment. So so I just want to pick up, because sometimes the Bible will talk about being baptized, sometimes the Bible will talk about being filled, sometimes the Bible will talk about the Holy Spirit being poured out, and I just want to give you a picture. Is the camera over here? Okay, good. It's important, which is my good side, you know. Oh, I feel so proud of myself right now. Ugh, this is terrible. Did you know we used to get to preach without having permanent audiovisual records of what we did online for everyone to see, including the CCP? It's such a weird time to be alive. Okay, so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to baptize this water jug, okay? Baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to like submerge or plunge. Watch what I do here. Okay, I baptized it. Okay, try again. Now I'm going to fill this jug. Now remember in the New Testament times, not everybody had like water coming out of faucets in their house. So when I say go fill a cup, what do we do? We go, we get the faucet, we hit the faucet. That's not how they did it usually. How do you fill a jug back in the Bible times? Did you notice something there? It's the same deal. I baptized a jug to fill it. I filled a jug by baptizing it. Okay, what about when the Holy Spirit gets poured out? Okay, so we'll fill this one. This one's kind of empty. And then you do this. So there's a baptism, there's a filling, and then there's a filling. But whatever the picture the Bible uses about the Holy Spirit, what's the point? Did somebody say Jesus? Gold star. Let's keep going. The point is that you're filled. Okay? That's the point. Baptized, filled, poured out filled. And you're the coffee carafe. This is supposed to be your life. 
and then you can kind of trick, you could call like tricky trick. Okay, you get other people with other cups down here. Pour it out, Holy Spirit, you're filled and getting covered, and then somebody else is underneath, and they're getting filled and covered, and, and making a mess, and splashing around, and, and just playing at church. All the kids went upstairs thinking they were going to have the fun time. No. Robert Belford does not get left out of playtime at church. Oh, you're all still here. Okay. <laughs> wow. But this is the point of water baptism. It's symbolic. It's right. It's good. Uh, Christian. If you find yourself in a time where it feels like you wrecked your water baptism, what you do is you get filled with the Holy Spirit afresh. Amen? That's what you do. If you feel like, oh, I've sinned so big, I wrecked my baptism. What you do is you say, Jesus Give me the Holy Spirit afresh. Fill me again. Because the point of the water is to get the Spirit. And the point of getting the Spirit and then the water is just to say like, publicly, this has happened. Amen? (sighs) Okay, I got to keep going a little bit. Um, this is our thing. Being spirit-filled sons of God is the church's unique um, marketing strategy to the world. And this is what I mean here. Has anybody heard about AI recently? Yeah. I have already had chatbot GPT help me be a better husband. (laughs) Just go on there. What are some birthday ideas for somebody who's an Enneagram 7? Give me 12 options. Boom. Best birthday ever coming up. (laughs) I have billions of dollars invested in this birthday now, technically. Um, Unfortunately, Terminator. You know, that that AI Terminator. That could be Skynet. You know, that's where we could go. Whatever. We know that it's going to end one way or another. Um, And being destroyed by our own creations would have a bit of a poetic justice effect. You know what I mean? And God does like poetic justice. Um, But I'm not saying anything. Anyhow, one of the things that the development of AI and the quest to make computers who perfectly imitate human beings makes so many people worried about is that now we have become obsolete. That human beings are obsolete. Or that you can just download your fantasy idea of a girlfriend into a silicone replication of whatever movie star is most famous right now and you can have a robo-girl who's just better than any human being could be. They're working on that. FYI, they're working on that. And if you just look at other ways in our culture where it looks like people that you need, like women, are being like obsoleted, uh, 
it's not an invalid concern to worry that people are being obsoleted. The, what was it, a few months ago, the first like fully automated McDonald's happened in uh, Texas. McDonald's existed to help teenagers learn to wear specific clothes and be friendly. That's, that's its whole existence, is to help teenagers learn to smile when people are asking them for stuff. It's the one place. <laughs> I love teenagers, and I tease you. And if it's too much, too soon, too far, let me know, but I'm trying to show my affection. <laughs> Anyhow, all that being said, in a world where people may be becoming obsoleted to some people... There is no replacement for the Spirit-filled Son of God in the world. This is our thing. And I keep saying son because in the New Testament times, sons did tend to have way more rights and privileges than daughters in the home. And that's why God says to even the girls, you're a son. Because you got everything Jesus got. You're, you're one with the son so, legally, you're a son. But this is our thing as the church. We do spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-empowered lives. As people who are forgiven, loved, chosen, and know where we're going. The, sometimes my arms move. Is that, is that it? Is it the arms? Ah. <laughs> I identify as a condor. That's my problem. <laughs> okay. So all that being said... Um, Are you doing it? Are you doing it? This is, this is our jam. We start born again by the Spirit. We're commanded. Jesus even told his disciples, don't try to fix anything until you've got the Spirit. Stay at the temple. Just keep praying. Don't try to serve me. Don't try to save anybody. Don't try to help anybody. Don't do anything until you've got the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. They had been walking with him for years. They'd heard all the teachings. They'd seen him die. They'd seen him come back from the dead. They had a living faith, and he still told, told them, don't try to help me until you've got the Holy Spirit. Because it all depends on him. I was really encouraged a couple of weeks ago by my friend Dallas. This awesome guy. Super apostolic, a great planner, super organizational. I love him because anytime you start talking about missions, he will like be like, and the Muslims need us. <laughs> he works with uh, an organization. And so I'm just like, I'm thinking of church planting. You know, maybe around Southeast Manitoba. And he's like, but the Muslims need us. You should church plant in Kabul. <laughs> That's just where he's at. Anyhow, he was talking about one of his brothers. They were both working on something. I can't remember. And, and Dallas 
and I love him, and I'm, he shared this, but he like, likes planning. So he planned out how he's going to do this thing. One of his other brothers was, that he's working with was just like asking the Holy Spirit for ideas. And he just had to say, I was really impressed with how much work the Holy Spirit got done for someone who wasn't planning. And, and I can't stop thinking about that because I'm not anti-planning. I'm just bad at it, but I'm not anti-planning and I'm not anti-scheduling, but I would think that the Lord might agree that there are very few people in this room who have any idea what the Holy Spirit can do through us if we just keep trusting and asking and obeying with confidence. If we just keep trusting and asking and obeying and trusting and asking and obeying, trusting that like he's it, He's it. He is it. He's God, and he's one with Jesus. Sometimes when you talk about the Holy Spirit, a lot of people can be like, well, are you singling out one person of the Trinity? No, in my head. I know there is one true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All things are from the Father and through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Father, and the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ who has come to glorify the Father by lifting up Christ. And I know that they are in their essence and in their activity united completely and one. However, um, he's, he's the one who lives in us and brings us the Father and Jesus. But I'm just still shocked sometimes. Like, the plan was, back in the New Testament times, you guys just sit in a room and pray. Your goal, your goal is to conquer the universe. And I'm going to start upgrading to the universe because people are trying to put someone on Mars and even if you go to Mars, you, you are not escaped from God. Okay? God is not the God of the earth. He's the God of the universe. And if somebody goes and lands on Mars, the Holy Spirit will be there. And maybe an angel too. Just saying, hey, you gotta repent. Because you're not getting away from the God of the universe. So the whole point of the church is to conquer, <laughs> sorry for conquer language, but like, with love and saying the truth, conquer the hearts of the people of the universe. Maybe I can put it like that for God. And, and, and there are entire Batman tool belt is a person. A divine person. That's the whole briefcase. That's the whole toolbox. That's the whole fishing tackle gear. Is, is the, the person of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes he works through the apostolic gifts, the apostles, prophets, the uh, evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Sometimes he manifests through the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, tongues, gifts of healing, working the miracles. Sometimes he comes out through the fruit. He better be there through, through, the, through the fruit. But he's it. He's it for us in Steinbeck. He's it for our brothers and sisters who are in prison in North Korea. He's it for our brothers and sisters experiencing civil war in Sudan. He's it for our brothers and sisters on both sides of the Ukraine-Russia conflict who are praying and seeking the growth of the church in the midst of things blowing up all around them. He's it for the Americans. He's it for the South Americans. He's it for our brothers and sisters in China who are... We're so excited that the government required them to wear face masks so that they could move around secretly. 
and try to get past all the facial recognition stuff. Like he's it for the church. This divine, all-powerful person who can tell you everything you need to know when you need to know it and can work miracles through you when you need miracles and can change your heart and change your mind and give you and will one day raise your dead body from the grave into everlasting life. It's happening again. The Holy Spirit of Christ is it for the church. And he's more than we need. We cannot run out of him. We can't overdo him. We can't tax him out. You do not need to plug him into a wall to recharge his battery. You cannot get stuck driving to Saskatchewan because your EV lost the juice because it got too hot or too cold or whatever. He does not run out. He is an infinite source of unlimited power for the spread of the glory of Jesus across the universe. Now, this is where I think we go wrong. Now's the time when I tell you how to go about getting more of the Holy Spirit. You do this, 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 you stand here, you ask this, you look at this, you wink one eye, you do this, all this stuff. Hold on. He's a person. So if I went to a church, okay, watch this. I'm not trashing any churches. If I'm going to trash any churches, I'm trashing my church. But I'm not going to trash it because I love you guys. You're awesome. But if I went to a church and they're like, okay, I'm there to deliver the message and serve the Lord. I want to glorify Jesus. And like, okay, you show up exactly at 10 o'clock. And they don't even unlock the door for me. So I'm like, no, no, I want to get here early. I want to do a sound check. No, exactly 10 o'clock. Okay, now you have to sit in this chair for five minutes. Don't say anything. You're sitting here. Okay, now you move over to this chair. Okay, now you stand up here. No, you've got to stand up here. And then you, you read your scripture. Wave arms six times. Put arms down. Read next scripture. Tell funny anecdote from childhood. Tell interesting anecdote from news. Wave arms four times. Read more scripture. Do altar call. Ask for money. Do another altar call. Wave arms six times. Pray in tongues. Like if it was, if it was all scripted out like this, would I feel like a human being? Would I feel like a person? No, I feel like a robot. And a bad one. And I don't want to tell Holy Spirit to invite, come and be a robot, Holy Spirit. Come and let us punch things into your keypad and you can churn out whatever we've ordered. He's the God in the room, not me. He's the one who has the right to speak to and command and convict every single person in the room, not me. He's the one in this story here who interrupted Peter's sermon to start baptizing people in the Spirit before he even got to the applications. Because he's alive. And he's a person. So I want you to talk to him like he's a person. And need him like he's a person. And relate to him like he's your favorite person. Holy Spirit, what do I do? Talk to me. Holy Spirit, change my heart. Convict me. Am I missing something? Am I hard-hearted? You have a relationship with him. And this is so important to me and to the Lord because I know so many young people get cheesed at the church because you're just not excited about the routine. It looks boring. 
But I know if you're bored with church, you are not walking with the Holy Spirit of God. You can't get bored with people when you're filled with the life of God. That's not how it works because all of a sudden those boring people become really important to you. They need what I got. And I want to pray for them and talk to them about it. I want to help them. They become important. Excuse me. So the arms are removing again. And I'm just advocating. I, I, I had all these great points on a completely different message. I can't even start here. But don't put him in a box. Like Just talk to him and listen to him and lift up your heart like he can do anything. Like, do I need to... So good. He can do it. He can do it. He can do it. Just love him, love people, love his word. Ah, the application is welcome him into your life. Say it. Holy Spirit, I welcome you into this day. Holy Spirit, I welcome you into, I've, I've got a lay pipe for some toilets today. I'm a construction guy. Holy Spirit, would you lead me in this? Holy Spirit, can I meet somebody who I can encourage? Holy Spirit, would you? Do you have gifts for me? Do you have any gifts in me, Holy Spirit? And I feel ungifted. And it makes me feel rejected. Holy Spirit, what's your plan for my life? What's your plan for my, my giftings? What's your plan? And then, guess what? Sometimes you feel like, I don't know what the plan is. And I know why that happens. Because you want to hear the plan so you can stop having to trust. Once you've got the plan down, you don't need to trust anymore, right? That's the wrong motivation. You can ask to know the plan so that you can trust more and see what he does. But trusting him's the best. Back to point number two. I still can't believe that after Jesus raised from the dead, he thought that all he gave us was the Holy Spirit. I mean, and scripture, which, by the way, is just the Holy Spirit talking through the apostles. This is the Holy Spirit's book. So that we could learn and read about what the Holy Spirit does for the glory of Jesus, as we are sons and daughters of God. Ah, golly. Okay, you don't have to. But if you just want to close your eyes for a sec, I invite you to do that. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to touch people's hearts right now. Ask him to lead you, friend. He will lead you, friend. You must be taught and learn that he's on whom you can depend. Ask him to lead you, friend, in the morning light. And when you rest, you'll see that he's displayed his might. Ask him to lead you, friend. Ask him to lead you, friend. And all of your fears will go when you know he is your friend. Ask him to lead you, friend. Ask him to lead you, friend. He has such power and might and he knows you. 
You've got to do it. This is the application. Ask him to lead you. Can we sing, Greg? You've got to do it. Sorry, guys. Welcome to Calvary Chapel. If you've got to, I know people said you've got to come and talk to Rob this week. I'm going to ask you, have you asked him to lead you? We so often go to human wisdom first. And it's good. You've got to ask him to lead you. And I'm out.